just been 10 weeks, this is our 10th week, looking at the core values of Grace Christian Church. And we've been spending some time um, studying and elaborating the biblical basis for our core values as Grace Christian Church. Now you have made, you may have found these messages beneficial. You may have found these messages challenging. You may have found these messages a waste of time. But I do know this, that if our core isn't strong enough, if our core isn't understood clearly, then like our core physically, we will be limited in what we're able to perform. Even the most basic of tasks and regards our conduct, regards our purpose, and regards the actions that we take as a church. If you don't, if you don't have a strong core, if you don't have, if you want to use a biblical word, a strong foundation, then you become susceptible, as David calls it, uh, to destruction. If you read Psalm 11 verse 3, we read this. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? And that's reiterated by the Lord Jesus in Matthew 7, verse 24, when he talks about the wise man who builds his house on a rock and the, wise man, and the foolish man who builds his house on the sand. Everything built on something that is not strong will eventually crash. Now, it's given me, as I've gone through these core values, something to chew on something to reflect and meditate upon as a Christian, as a pastor, and for us as a church. To have a strong spiritual core established in the head of the church. Um, yeah, that the spirit would be the power of the church. That we are backed by the word of God, the authority of the church. All for the purpose of the church's service in regards to evangelism. All for the purpose of ministry as we serve one another with these marks of, of, of love and authenticity that are, that are marks of our church. Spiritual growth being us maturing as a church. And the condition of our church where a culture of acceptance, of relevance, and purity are manifest in us corporately as a people. Now we can look at such a list and think these ten core values, or the nine that I've just quoted, these core values, it seems so much. There are so many areas where we lack. There are so many areas which we can improve on. But these are core values for us as a collective, for us as a church, that as we are grounded on the person of Christ, as we are empowered by his spirit, as we obey the word of God, each of these core values are fulfilled in each of us as a body of believers. Which is what brings us to our final core value, which I think is one of the most exciting which I think stirs my heart. And yes, it's something that we do need to improve, but our 10th core value points to that of us being a family. Points to us as being a family, which I entitled the sermon, The Shape of the Church. A few years ago when Pastor Chin Ake was here and he introduced himself, he made this comment. He said how in Asian cultures, the last name goes first because it's the last name that's important. It's the bigger, that's the collective that's more important than the individual. 
And, and essentially, in, in a very westernized culture, it's the individual that takes precedence. But we are a family. We are the body of Christ. And so I want us today, as we look at the shape of the church, to, to see where we not only fit in this family, but how we can exemplify and establish and grow as a family, especially in, this times, in these times where it's needed now more than ever. So bow your heads with me, and let's open in a word of prayer, and let's look at our last core value this morning. Father, we thank you so much for the ability to stay connected like this. We thank you so much that even with all of these things that might frustrate us or that might annoy us, you are still in charge. Your heart still shows and is expressed in the goodness and grace you bestow upon us each moment. We thank you so much for the love that has been revealed in Jesus Christ. And I ask this morning that by your spirit, you will open our eyes to see the precious, wonderful gift we have in each other. The wonderful gift we have is being called a son and daughter of the Most High God. We thank you for this family of Grace Christian Church. I ask, Lord, that now you will minister to each of us, that you will teach us, you will stir us, and you will help us to grow, not only as individuals, but more importantly, as a family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are several common pictures within the Bible that are used to identify the church. Uh, for example, we have the church described as a building that is built upon a solid foundation. Um, Paul speaks about this building, this temple, this being Christ being the cornerstone of it. Um, the foundation that we are built upon in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. So you have this building that is built upon a firm foundation. Uh, then you have this body that although it is diverse, it is united. And you read this in 1 Corinthians 12, how each unique person, each unique part, all play their particular parts in the unity and the unifying of the body in order for it to function and to function well. That's as I made mention in the introduction, we all play a part to fulfill the core values as a collective, as the church. So the church is a building, the church is a body, and the church is a bride loved to death. And we read this greatest, greatest expression of love in the person of Christ and used to challenge the mandate of husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. For each of these pictures, the foundational truth is this, that without Jesus, none of them exist. Without Jesus, there is no building if he is not our foundation. Without Jesus as being the head, there is no body that can function. Without Jesus as the bridegroom, there is no bride that can be protected. So the focus of all of this, even as a family, is that it is based on and grounded in the purpose or the person of Jesus Christ. This is why this image that our last core value addresses is something I think that we all want and all desire to become a reality. The 10th core value states this, family, the church functions as the family of God. I want you to take note of that one word firstly. The, first, the, the, the church functions as the family, not as the corporation, 
not as the business, but as the family of God. And it is in this core value that there are two words I want to focus on this morning. Firstly, being family, and second, being function. So we're going to look at family, what it is, or as I've said, the shape. What is the shape of this family? And the second addresses that of use, or the practice, or how does this family actually conduct itself or exercise itself. So, firstly, the shape of the family. Now, it's really important, looking at the topic of family, that everyone comes from different shapes. Everyone comes from various family backgrounds. Some are dysfunctional, some are not. Some families are loving and, and trusting and caring. Others are harsh and abusive and distrusting. When I think of the various types of families, even within our church, I come to the understanding that there are so many families, even within GCC, that have different cultural backgrounds, that have different family backgrounds, that have different life experience backgrounds. But regardless of the differing backgrounds we have or what we have come from, it is the commonality of our identity in Christ that is taking the precedence of what governs our family. It is that he determines how a family and specifically how a church family is to be. When you stop and think, and stop and think of the qualities of what you would deem a good family, uh, of say a peaceful home, uh, what are the things that come to your mind? What are the things that come to my mind? I, I see these are the things that just sort of come to my mind and, and I guess I could say I've experienced growing up and what I experience even now. It's a place where you're comfortable to be yourself. A place where your acceptance, where you are accepted. I think of a place where you are respected, not only as a person, but even of your space. Uh, it's a place where security and support, as well as confrontation and accountability, actually happens. It's a place where genuine love for one another and genuine protection occurs within the home. That's what I think of when I think of a good home, when I think of a peaceful home. Does that mean that there's never disagreement? No. Does it mean that there is never friction? No, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean that you'll never have a, dis like a, a disappointment? No. Does it mean that you'll never have, never have a conflict? No. But what it does mean is that because of the security and support, because of the atmosphere that has been set in place in the home, that stronger relationships can be built as you work through these differences, as you look at the benefiting of others, as you express the love that takes and rules within that household and within that family unit. That's what I think of when I think of a good home. Now, when I look at the shape of God's family, the church, and what shape God's family, the church, has to take, I see those same qualities, if not more of those qualities, manifest to us and to how we're to conduct ourselves as revealed from the scriptures. Because each of them are applicable to us, not only as individuals, but to us as a collective. And it goes beyond our backgrounds, it goes beyond our cultures, it goes beyond our differences, it goes beyond our experiences. For example, for example, these 
qualities that I'm talking about are all manifest in the one another statements that are talked about within the scriptures. Uh, 59 of them. There are 59 of them. And each of these one another statements are qualities that transcend all of those things. All of our differences, all of our backgrounds, all of our experiences, each of these one another statements transcend that. Therefore are applicable to each of us regardless of where we're from and regardless of the differences we have. For example, in John chapter 13 verse 34, we have love one another. That transcends background. That transcends experience that it transcends difference. Love one another. That one statement, that one exhortation, that one command is mentioned around 16 times in the New Testament. Love one another, and it transcends each of them. You go through the book of Romans, you have this. Be devoted to one another, Romans 12.10. That transcends differences, experiences, and background. We read Romans 12.10 again. Honor one another above yourselves. That transcends it. We read, live in harmony with one another, Romans 12, 16. We read, build up one another, Romans 14, 19. We read, be like-minded towards one another, Romans 15, 5. Accept one another, Romans 15, 7. Admonish one another, Romans 15, 14, and so on. We have, we have all these and then more. There's caring for one another in 1 Corinthians 12, 25. Serving one another in Galatians 5, 13. Bearing one another's burdens in Galatians 6, 2. Forgiving one another, Ephesians 4, 32. Being patient with one another, Ephesians 4, 2. Speaking the truth in love, Ephesians 4, 15. These are 14 these are just 14 of the 59 one another statements made. I encourage you to look up what those 59 are because that's the shape we are to have not only as individuals but collectively at a church that we not only do like a family for one another but it's also demonstrated in what we don't do towards one another like a family. For example, things we're not to do like the way we speak. Do not lie to one another, Colossians 3.9. Do not slander one another, James 4.11. Do not grumble against each other, James 5.9. We have even our inward attitude towards each other that we are not the ones to pass judgment, but rather it is God's word that passes judgment on others. We read in Romans 14.13, stop passing judgment on one another. But that's, I'm talking about personal judgment. I don't like the way Brad dresses. I don't like the way, that's not, I'm talking about what the, we're called to judge. We are called to try the spirits according to the word of God. But it's just a personal thing that I don't, I don't like the way Cass talks. That's, that's a personal preference. That's got nothing to do with biblical things. So stop passing judgment on one another. That, that, that's, that's, a, that's a carnal attitude, Okay. That sort of attitude makes me my own personal Pharisee. We read in Galatians 5.26, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. So there are things that we are not to do to each other as well. Uh, the specifics of what I do and the consequences that result. This is a harsh one. Galatians 5.15, this is what happens. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. 
I want to read that again. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. That is what the enemy wants. That is what the enemy desires, to tear apart the family of God. If Satan hates everything God loves, God loves his church. Satan wants to destroy the church. And what does he do there? He whispers in the ear. He starts to gossip. He starts their resentments. He starts those attitudes where, oh, I don't like this, or I don't like that. That's not based biblically, but upon your own personal preference. So we have to be careful. You see, all of this stuff that we are to do for one another and not to do to each other is all done because, in a real sense, according to what uh, a guy named Pastor Taylor says, we are, according to Romans 12, 5, members of one another. Or to use a word for today, a family. When one person in the family hurts, we all hurt. When one person feels let down within the family, we all feel let down in the family as we come alongside them. In the context of the core value, we are the family of God. And once again, does that mean we don't have disagreements? No, it doesn't mean that. We will have disagreements. Does that mean we won't get let down? No. It doesn't mean that we we will get let down at times. It means we're not exempt from troubles. What it means is this, though, is that you and I, belong to a family that lasts to eternity. That we belong to a family that was purchased by the blood of the Lamb. That we belong to a family where of all places we are to feel safe, we are to feel secure, we are to feel supported. Where we can be us as people. It means that I have a father who loves me immensely. And who loves my brothers and sisters alongside me just as much. It means that I have a place that I do belong. It means that I can be me. This is the shape of the church. The shape of the family. And with that shape then, it then brings us to the function of the family. The function of the family. I remember as a youngster... I would, have, I would have been maybe about 12. And I went to go watch my older brothers play rugby league. They played for a club called Bay Roskill. Now, there were my three older brothers. There was my brother-in-law now, Pete, and his brothers that played in the team as well. There were a whole bunch of cousins and, and things like that and good friends of the family. So it, it, to me, essentially, it was a family team. It was a whole bunch of Polynesians and a couple of Caucasian guys, if I remember rightly. Now... I was watching this game, and then a fight broke out. Now, I'm not, I'm not condoning fighting or anything like this. I remember it quite, I remember it quite distinctly, though. Um, I, I believe Pastor Fritz, my brother, he got, he got put in the sin bin. He was taking on two guys. I, re, I remember that quite distinctly. There's a couple of guys that went at him, and he, he decked them. Um, but anyway, anyway, the purpose of the team was to win the game, which I don't think they did. The purpose of the team was to win the game, but... Another aspect of that team wasn't only to win the game, but was also the, the means by which the game could be won stemmed from their support of each other. They worked together, yes, but they also supported each other in seeking to achieve that goal. 
When I look at the church, I see the diversity of people. When I observe our differences, I am overwhelmed by the excitement, by the support that is found from each other. The encouragement of one another, the acceptance of one another, even the consideration of somebody else. See, the function of the family is to provide a means where people can grow, can develop, can mature, can learn, and gain the necessary means in order to overcome things in life. I look at my children, and I remember sharing this story a while ago when I said to Nathaniel, like after I would discipline Nathaniel, and I'd ask him the question, why do I do this, son? And his response was, because you want me to become a mature and responsible young man. And that's exactly right. And that's in his failures that takes place in the home. It never meant that he was unloved. It never meant that he wasn't accepted. It meant I was shaping him so that when he goes out into the big bad world, he can deal with things. So too is the church. The function of the church that God has placed us in is so that we can support and, and teach and invest into and come alongside and shape, play a part, be used by God to play a part in shaping each other as the scriptures teach, iron sharpening iron. That's the role, that's the function of us as a family. And we see this charged in the scriptures. Once again, there are these words, and I shared it last week as well from from the scriptures, we are told in Ephesians chapter four, uh, 3, verse 3, this word, this word, not like this. He says, make every effort, sorry, 4, four 3, sorry, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Those three words, make every effort, make every effort, that's the, the stepping out, that's sending the text, that's sending the invitation, that's praying for somebody that's sharing a Bible verse, that's giving a phone call, that's, in, that's, that's trying to contact and being in contact with other people. That's why in verse 4 we read this, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. To make every effort as your brother, to have your back in person, to have your back in prayer, to have your back in continual support. This is why, as you read in the scriptures, Paul would address people as fellow workers. That they are, as, as, as it means that I am not about the task myself, but as a family working with me, making every effort. When I was growing up, my dad broke, so we had to do chores every morning before we went to school. And because there was a number of us, so what my dad would do is that he would, he would section off the house and he would say, okay, these two, you do, the, you do all the dishes before you go to school. Make sure everything's wiped down, the kitchen is clean. You guys do the lounge and the dining room. You make sure all those are clean before you head off. Then you had, you guys do the bathroom and the toilet. So he sectioned off the house, then he sectioned off his kids, and every morning before he left school, we had to leave the house clean. That's just what we did. Now, having a large family was, made that easy to do. We all got to be able to do our tasks and complete our chores. The problem is once the eldest got a job, he no longer had to do that because he had a job. 
And so as each child got a job, then the load stayed the same, and then it was just myself and my younger brother who'd have to do all those chores before we left, and it became difficult. When there were more people there breaking it up, we were able to complete the task. So it is within the family of God. We can function together as a family to have things done, to be able to get them done. As I said, as a family, I'm not about to work by myself. I have you helping me along to have it done, reaching out to other people, contacting other people, praying for other people. It's us doing that together. Uh, As fellow soldiers, we're not fighting alone. But we can make every effort. How I shared last week, we fight on our knees. We can get down on our knees and we can pray corporately. We have prayer meeting on Wednesday night where we as brothers and sisters can fight on our knees as we seek God in the situation, as we seek God for us as a church, as we seek God with things that are going on. Does This particular situation is hard. It seems a lot harder this time around that we can pray and seek God for us to be equipped and strengthened to get through this together. We are addressed as dearly beloved, that we are loved, that we have love for one another as a family. To know that I am supported, to know that, I, that you guys have my back, to know that you're there along with me, and that you're doing this not only because, like Dad said, but because you are my brother and my sister, and because I have a genuine love for you, and you a genuine love for me. But the only way the standard of function as the family of God can be met, um, it, it begins with knowing what the right shape is. It begins with knowing what we're supposed to look at. It begins with having the right form, I guess you could say. Having the right form, and this is what I want to close on. How the right form or the right shape leads to the right function. And if you've got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm just going to finish on this passage of Scripture. See, when I read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through to 32, I am given some amazing instructions as to what the right form is to actually look like, what the actual shape is supposed to be. In my Bible, it's titled Instructions for Christian Living. But in order to clearly see what the right form is, one must, at the least, do away with what I think it should be. At the least. Not coming with my own thoughts, my own opinions, my own ideas, but rather do away with those and have them replaced by what the Word of God says. And how that, to replace what our human experience is accustomed to and replace it with the things of Christ or with what you have been made in Christ. So read with me. Starting from verse 17, we read this. So I tell you this. And insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. That's our experiences. That's our ideas. That's our thoughts. He says, don't don't go along with it. Don't lean to your own understanding, as Proverbs 3 says. Verse 18. Why? Because they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. Verse 19, having lost all sensitivity and have given, sorry, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. See, like I said, I liken this to our earthly experience. I liken this to what 
our family life may have been like, the way we dealt with solution, problems, with our human solutions, with our family attitudes, with our family reasonings, with our values and our priorities that are human-based and how they are all contrary to Christ. We do away with those things as we go into verse 20. He says, that, however, is not the way you have learned when you heard about Christ. You were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self and created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And here is the avenue we are placed, the position gained in Christ, where the new self has been created, made in the likeness of God, given a new form that is shaped in righteousness, that is shaped in holiness. That is what we have put on in Christ. Come down to verse 25. Therefore, and this is where we get to the specifics, this is what us as the new creations are to be. Therefore, put off falsehood and speak truthfully do not let the sun go down on your anger while you know, while you're still angry do not give the devil a foothold verse 28 steal no longer instead work doing something useful with your own hands that they may share with those in need verse 29 do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up do not grieve the holy spirit of god verse 31 get rid of all bitterness rage and anger brawling slander and malice verse 32 be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as Christ just as in Christ God forgave you this is the right form this is the shape that we have been ta- that we have taken in Christ this is what comes forth now as we have been made new creations. This is walking in the newness of life. This is the outworking of grace in each of us as members of God's family that brings about these changes to our very being naturally. Now, here's something I want you to consider. I'm reading a book at the moment, and I would encourage everyone to read Richard Foster. and It's called The Celebration of Discipline. It's a very good book. But he talks about how, okay, this happens every year when we make New Year's resolutions. How we usually last or hold to our resolutions for about three or four weeks and then we go back to what we used to do. Or we make an adamant choice, I'm not going to do this anymore, and then we end up doing it maybe a week later. We want the change to take place from the inward out. We sing about it, to change from the inside out. Having from the outside in is what's called conformity. And we do that a lot. We, we, we bring our outward actions in line with something in particular. What we want is transform, not conformity, not, conf- what, not just conforming, but rather transforming from the inside out. That's what we want to have take place. But to have that take place means we need to stop trying so hard in our human effort and rather allowing God to change us. As the, the input that Cash shared before, as the input. It didn't happen where she learnt the lyrics of the songs. It didn't happen where she spent all her time, I need to learn these songs so I can sing them when I'm working. As, as the input was continuous, she naturally picked these things up. Now she naturally likes Brad's taste in music. 
well, sort of, she said. She's sort of nodding her head in another way. So this is what Richard Foster says regarding ourselves. He says, We do no more than receive a gift, yet we know the changes are real. We know they are real because we discover that the spirit of compassion we once found so hard to exhibit is now easy. In fact, to be full of bitterness would be a hard thing. Divine love has slipped into our inner spirit and taken over our habit patterns. There is no longer the tiring need to hide our inner selves from others. To refrain from being good and kind would be the hard work because goodness and kindness are now a part of our nature. This is the idea of being transformed from the inside out. Just as the natural reasons and responses flowed from us to keep people at bay and shielded ourselves from others, now as we spend time in the Word, as we spend time in prayer, as we spend time in His presence, He changes us inwardly. It produces a longing for and a willingness to reach out to others. A desire to be a part of your lives, to be a part of others as the body of Christ. That even though we are united and our differences, we see ultimately the love of God grow in all of us for the benefit and for the blessing of the world. This is the change. This is the shape that I desire God to take GCC. That as we look at our 10 core values, that shape as we are submitted to him as the head of the church, as we are available to him as a power of the church, as we, as we obey the word of God, the authority of the church, we see this transformation take place the more we spend time just being with him. And then you'll find, and this is what's happened in my own life personally, then you'll find the shape comes about. That we truly will, function as the family of God, not only as individuals with little plots here, here, and here, but collectively as a whole that is known as Grace Christian Church, that we will be known as the family of God where his love reigns supreme and where his will becomes evident in each of our lives. So brothers and sisters, that is the exhortation I leave with you this morning. I pray that there will be natural changes in your life as well as in mine, that there'll be natural changes in our lives collectively as a church as we see God's will be done in Grace Christian Church as it is in heaven. So with that, brothers and sisters, I'm going to pray. And once again, I would encourage you, especially with things that are going on today, stay connected with others, please. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we are a part of a family a family that lasts to eternity, a family that goes beyond each of our individual experiences, each of our individual backgrounds, beyond each of our individual cultures, and rather that this will be a place that is known by its love for you and its love for each other. We ask that we truly will function as the family of God, and that we will seek others to come and partake of the love that you have so graciously, graciously bestowed upon us. 
Please help us, Lord, to do away with our ways, our thoughts, and the way we think, should, we think things should be done, and rather submit to your word, to your will, and to your ways. Have your will be done, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.